Shared parenting does make it easy. I'm your host, Chris Batchelor, and this is the Parent Time Podcast. Parent Time Podcast is presented by National Parents Organization, a national nonprofit who is working hard to bring shared parenting nationwide. Hi, everyone. I'm Chris with National Parents Organization. Today, I am here with Jessica and Rachel from the Center for Policy Research. They've got some exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, There's a new report out that is a policies and programs affecting fathers, a state-by-state report, and they're here to talk about that. Uh, Excited to hear about what they're doing with that report. There's a lot of great information in it. Uh, So, Jessica and Rachel, thanks for coming on the show today. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Um. The, the report, Policies and Programs Affecting Fathers, a state-by-state report, is, um, was, was generated uh, by the Center for Policy Research, the nonprofit uh, research organization that Rachel and I uh, work for. It's based in Denver and been around for 40 years. And we've done a lot of projects dealing with um, child support and parenting time and fatherhood and efforts to try to make uh, the child support program and parenting time system um, more equitable and uh, do a better job of engaging fathers with their children. And um, this report uh, outlines or identifies some key policies uh, in 10 areas of public life that include child support and family law and responsible fatherhood. And it provides some state-by-state information on the status of a policy um, in different states. And it sort of gives a little bit of a read uh, across the nation about where uh, fathers stand uh, on terms of policy and practice that uh, affects their connection with children. And uh, it offers a little bit of a baseline of where we are now and what more progressive policies look like in some states relative to others and areas that can be improved and perhaps um, research that could be done to look at the the impact of policies um, on families and father-child relationships and child outcomes. Um, So that's the purpose of of this state-by-state report. And um, we uh, love for people to uh, download it. Uh, It's available free online. It also has chapters that deal with child welfare. And um, what else do we have, Rachel? So the 10 um, areas of public life that each have their own chapter are child support, child welfare, criminal justice, early childhood, education, employment, family law, food and housing, health and mental health, and responsible fatherhood. And then we also have an introductory and a conclusion chapter. So altogether, 12 chapters that, like Jessica said, are available to download either individually or as one combined PDF. Right. Um, 
And this was done as par, uh, part of uh, our work in with the uh, ne- Responsible Research and Practice Network, which is a national network to highlight research um, and uh, practice ideas dealing with re- fathers and fatherhood. And we, and we have a particular focus on low-income uh, fathers and never-married fathers uh, because in many ways uh, they are not covered by family law. Divorce, uh, married and divorced fathers are covered by family law, but it's murkier and more, uh, more challenging for fathers who uh, were never married to the mothers of their children to um, uh, often to gain access to children and their children when relationships dissolve and uh, become engaged with their children and maintain relationships. So that's in, uh, we've, we've prioritized this more disadvantaged challenged population. And just to provide a bit more context on um, where we get the data for the report. So we rely on publicly available data from a variety of sources. So including laws and multiple policy areas that are tracked on the National Conference of State Legislators website, um, looking at child support policies that are recorded on the Intergovernmental Reference Guide that's maintained by the Office of Child Support Enforcement, looking at data from federal agencies such as the Children's Bureau and the Department of Labor, and then publications in specific policy areas um, released by organizations like uh, the National Parents Organization, the National Healthy Start Association, and then we also did some original data collection, which included reviewing websites for state agencies. So looking at um, like Department of Corrections, Department of Health websites, and then also contacting some state informants by email in order to just like update and clarify some published information while also conducting interviews with experts in some policy areas to help identify potential data sources and potential indicators to look at. Um, like Jessica said, we were really interested in looking at fathers, um, but when measures for fathers were unavailable, we looked at indicators for adult and non-elderly men. And furthermore, just for some policy areas, like education, for example, a lot of examples ha- and measures had to really just focus on undereducated youth and non-elderly adults as a whole, because breakdowns on participation and outcome for men versus women just were not available. So we tried to draw on measures and information related to fathers specifically when we could, but the report also just kind of shows um, areas where there is not that information available and that information has not been summarized or captured. So it provides that insight as well. Yeah, there's certainly a, a lot of information in this report and I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. reading through it here. And uh, it's really nice how you have you know, each one of these sections and you sort of explain uh, what you're looking at in that particular section. And then there's a state by state breakdown. There's a table for each one of these things and it talks specifically about the state. So, you know, when you want to uh, advocate for for better outcomes in these states, you can go look and see exactly, uh, you know, what what your state is doing compared to other states. Right. Um, So is there, um, you know, I I really like that because a, a lot of times when we advocate, the legislators will ask you, well, what are other states doing? And this gives exactly. you kind of a handy guide to, to just really go and say, well, here's what exactly. all the other states are doing, you know. 
Um, so with that, I, I want to ask, is there sort of, uh, and, and I know this, this may be a hard question to answer because it's, it's probably all over the board, but were there areas where states are doing exceptionally well and, and maybe model legislation for other states? Well, um, you know, there are some states that are further along than others. And uh, it does, uh, it is complicated as you uh, alluded to it. It's, they're not consistently uh, progressive or in every area down the line. So they'll be further along in one area and lag a little bit more laggard in others. In general, um, some of the states that are, uh, that have been, uh, you know, historically more restrictive and less generous with uh, low-income custodial parents and children, those that have not um, opted to expand Medicare, those who, that have lower minimum wages and other sorts of things are also have uh, less uh, progressive policies. Uh, in the child support arena, they have um, lower uh, self-support reserves or low-income adjustments in their child support guidelines. They're more apt to charge interest, higher interest on unpaid child support. They, uh, they tend to have um, uh, less generous pass-through policies, uh, be less apt to compromise child support debt that accumulates. Um, uh, they don't, you know, they have fewer work programs for fathers in the or non-custodial parents in the child support system who are unemployed or underemployed. So they tend to follow some um, typical some patterns that are of. Uh, policy that's less generous and less uh, supportive of low-income people in general. And uh, sadly, that's also racial minorities, although we did have the data to really look at differences by race and ethnic group, but I suspect that would fall along those lines as well. Yeah, I've, I've I've interviewed other researchers, uh, you know, for the social media here for National Parents Organization, and and one thing that's come up time and time again is that um, there uh, there's in a lot of cases the data just isn't available to get down into the right. specifics when you get uh, between sometimes like moms and dads, right? There's there's right. more research about moms than there is about dads, and there's there's less exactly. data to pull from, and it makes some of this stuff a little bit difficult. It is, it is there. You know, in a lot of these programs, uh, they are, uh, you know, they're required. There are certain data elements that are required, and those tend to get filled in. And then there are other fields on in program databases uh, that are not required, and they don't get filled in. And so guess what? If you don't require this to be collected, it doesn't get collected. And that mm -hmm. is very, very challenging. For example, in the home visiting field, uh, and we have, you know, we've invested so much in uh, home visiting programs and they are so important, uh, but there is no measure uh, that program, home visiting programs are required to keep that takes into account 
father participation in a home visit or attempts to engage father in home in home visits. It just doesn't exist. And efforts, there was a proposal to make that a required field in future um, in, you know, as a condition for funding. Uh, and then it was withdrawn. So it didn't happen. So I do think we have a first step is trying to keep track of father engagement, father involvement, and build our level of awareness and knowledge uh, in all of these areas. Uh, and uh, this exercise that we've done in this report certainly pointed to the need uh, to do that more consistently. And was that the genesis behind starting this report in the first place? Well, in, in some ways, yeah. We wanted to know where does everyone stand? Where do the states stand? And, you know, we know in certain areas when, um, when there's measurement and tracking over time, there's some hope and opportunity for improvement. We've seen that, you know, uh, in uh, the, the, um, the Annie E. Casey Foundation, for example, for the last 20 years has been putting out an annual kids count data book. And it looks at all the states and it, uh, on, on certain indicators of child well-being. And, and you can see from year to year, they can track progress and the lack of progress thereof. Uh, and so that's been very, very helpful in sort of nudging states and moving the dialogue and getting policymakers and legislators and others to sort of take a, be aware of where how are we doing on child child well being? Uh, we and we just don't have that kind of compilation or attention to fathers uh, in the child support arena. Certain things are tracked very very carefully. Uh, the child support agency. Uh, a ta a tracks um, the rate, the number of orders that are established. Uh, they they track child support collections very closely. They track arrears and the about the generation of a arrears on an annual basis. And and not surprisingly, because when we track things and measure things, we're aware of them we've seen tremendous improvement in those measures, but we don't track other things that are very important for father engagement. And we were hoping to build awareness of these other items and focus attention on that and begin the process of, of tracking and following um, trends in, in these more positive policies um, across the country. So is there, are there plans to, uh, you know, do this report again in the future at some time? Well, that's a great question um, because uh, we did this uh, actually totally on our own dime. A Center for Policy Research used its own internal resources to, to do this. We uh, the Fatherhood Research and Practice Network 
was created through a federal grant from the Office of Planning, Research and Evaluation from 2013 to 2019. Uh, but then the grant ended and it was not renewed. So since then, we have been um, supporting it and keeping it going with internal resources. And this was a huge effort. And frankly, um, right now it's, uh, it, it's a little daunting, the idea of really um, without external support of, of redoing it, it does need to get redone because as you know, policy happens all the time and things get out of date almost as soon as you write them. You know, a legislation comes through and the minimum wage changes. Um, a uh, state uh, will drop interest charges that it was uh, levying on unpaid arrears uh, as Illinois did last year because it discovered, guess what? It's inequitable. It disproportionately affects low-income people of color. So they, they dropped it. So policy is constantly changing. And, um, and so we're always sort of behind, out of date. Um, and it's, it does need to be updated. Uh, we'd love to be able to, uh, to redo this. But uh, right now, um, we're uh, we're not we don't have immediate plans to do that. But we are like keeping a tab on flagging anything that comes across. So Jessica had mentioned the minimum wage changes. You know, saving those articles, keeping um, kind of like a running tally of update information that we see, and kind of keeping a pulse on what is going on. Well, that's fantastic. And I, I just looking through the report here, um, you know, it's got lots and lots of numbers in it, but numbers can be misleading, right? Mm -hmm. Depending on how you interpret them or interpolate them. Uh, I do like though, how you have in the report, you do have suggestions on improvement on a broad basis. Uh, and, and that really, I think brings home, uh, you know, what states can do. And instead of just look at the numbers and trying to move something a percentage or two, uh, they can look and see, you know, what changes right. can they make to policies to really affect some change. Right, right. Um, and, go ahead. As the, and within, within each chapter, in addition to presenting those numbers and those tables, breaking down the states, we provide some context, you know, site research, and explain why we're looking at, you know, the role and importance of fathers, especially low-income fathers, being impacted by the child support system, or thinking about, you know, the role of fathers' health and the research that ties that into child children's outcomes. So. We frame it within each chapter, within you know the showing the context and citing relevant research. And like you said, then at the end of each chapter, summarizing and adding some suggestions and conclusions. Sorry, yeah, Jack. and things do. There are positive changes. I mean, in Pennsylvania, just two months ago, uh, created uh, through the legislature a, a non a bipartisan unanimous decision to create a fatherhood commission, statewide fatherhood commission. And, um, you know, that was the result of um, several years of, of effort by a um, local um, fatherhood organization that uh, worked with uh, the legislature to build awareness of the need uh, to promote father engagement and 
and um, it it came to pass. So change, positive changes can happen, do happen. It just takes uh, quite a, like all policy or many policy changes, a lot of persistence and um, continued effort. Rachel, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, you'd written a blog article for us on National Parents Organization. And uh, what's been the reaction to that? What are people saying about the report? Um, so, like you mentioned, I did a blog post to the National Parents Organization introducing the report, summarizing some similar information that Jessica and I are talking about today, and particularly talking about our family law chapter, as we thought that would be um, of interest and relevant to people reading. Overall, overall, we've had a lot of um, really positive feedback with the report. People have been really interested in the whole report overall, but especially maybe one or two chapters that are really relevant to the work or the research that they do. So we've been you know, trying to share the word, get it out to different audiences, because um, people might find different information that's applicable for them. Um, again, depending on what topic they're working in or re doing research in, um, if they're really focused on their state or maybe a couple states surrounding them. Um, but we've had really positive feedback. And um, again, like Jessica mentioned, this is just something that this information wasn't being compiled and summarized um, in this kind of large scale way. So people have been happy to be able to have this information and to be able to um, get a sense of what's going on nationally and then to put their state in that context. So we've spoken with some people about more, you know, their state particularly, but also just on this broad conversation like we're having today. Well, that's great. And, you know, as you guys were putting this report together, was there any bit of information or, or any anything that came out of the data that really uh, sort of surprised you? Well, I I was surprised, actually, uh, that the, ta the TANF, uh, surplus TANF funds or funds that are not allocated uh, uh, for public assistance, public assistance uh, are, are available for a variety of purposes, including promotion of two-parent households and father engagement. And I was uh, supplied, surprised to learn that uh, there, the unspent um, the that the unspent level of TANF balance is very, very high. It's, it am amounts to, um, I think it was 5.2 billion in 2020. It's doubled over the past decade. And um, that many states, mo on average, uh, states spent 0. Uh, 0.05, uh, 5%, I mean, five-tenths of 1% on fatherhood and two-parent family formation. And um, and that, it seems like that's a very obvious uh, source of revenue that could be tapped to promote more uh, services and interventions that would uh, translate to or lead uh, support father engagement. Um, so that's, um, that was surprising to me. And in many states, uh, it's not, there's no allocation of funds for that purpose at all. 
so that was, uh, I guess, an eye opener. And I think an area that states need to look at, they need to work with their state TANF directors. There are a lot, there's lots of competition for TANF funds. There are many worthwhile causes, but uh, fatherhood and father engagement is a, should be one of those worthwhile causes. And uh, that should be tapped more fully. So is that is that money that's allocated by the state and then and then not used not claimed basically by by somebody uh, on in a welfare program? Well, yeah, it is. Sir, it it's the TANF funds are allocated to the states and uh, based on population and and uh, it is just not otherwise committed for public assistance. But there are many other types of services and programs that it does go to support, it's a, uh, you know, kind of a formula grant and, and there are broad congressionally generated purposes and purpose three and four have fatherhood potential or potential to, to uh, involve uh, the delivery of services for father engagement. And that has not been as fully exploited I think as it could be. And those are all, that's all federal funds that we're talking about with TAM, yes. right? Yes, but it goes to, but every state gets an allocation. So spending is discretionary at the state level. I mean, we, it was, of course, we know that many changes and policies do involve federal law and are federally driven, but we, I think we've realized through doing this exercise, that there are a lot of things that states can do on their own. And in fact, it may be a lot more productive to work at the state level. We've seen the kind of gridlock we have at the federal level. And, you know, uh, and but states can be more nimble in a lot of ways in changing policy and uh, being more responsive and being more flexible. And I think that's another uh, thing that surprised me of just how much variation there is and how much flexibility states do have. And, you know, even with new funding through ARPA funds, the American Rescue Plan and discretionary uh, funds available in the infrastructure and investment and jobs act. Uh, those are all decisions that can be made at the state level. They have a lot of latitude at how they spend money. And they, you know, they can choose to use it to support more equity and support fathers so that they can be better providers and, and better engaged with their families. Um, and uh, they can choose to beef up workforce development, which is a huge need. Uh, for fathers in, uh, especially low-income fathers, that's up to the states. And uh, so I think that's another uh, realization we came to, that states uh, matter and states can do things, whether, you know, it's the, uh, the federal um, minimum wage hasn't changed in, what, decades, but states when minimum wages have changed, states have introduced their own 
earned income tax credit. States can do these things. And uh, I'm hoping that they'll be inspired to do that, to be more generous and more expansive. Well, we do too. And we're, uh, we're about out of time, but is there anything else you want to talk about uh, before we close this up? No, I just wanted to encourage everyone to go check out the report. Um, I believe the link will be made available in the show notes, but it's on uh, www.frpn.org and you can find all the chapters and the full report there. And uh, remind us again where, where everybody can find uh, you guys online. So you're, uh, you have the website and uh, assume you have some Facebook social media stuff. Well, we are at the Center for Policy Research.org uh, and uh, CPR. Um, let's see, uh, it's www.centerforpolicyresearch.org. Um, Rachel, what else? We are also on LinkedIn, I know, um, but could definitely be inspired by this to ramp up our other social media. Yes, yes. <laughs> We're busy producing reports and not as much on social, probably not as much on social media as we should be. Well, we'll go ahead and put links to uh, all those places uh, down in the show Thank notes you. so people Thanks, can, can find you very easily. And, uh, and I really, uh, Jessica and Rachel really want to thank you both for coming on and talking to us today. This is a, such an important topic and you guys have done a fantastic job of putting this report together. There's a ton of information there. Highly encourage everybody to go out and download it and, uh, and, you know, look at your state and look at comparison states and, and really dive into the data because there, there is a bunch of data here and it's such an important topic, uh, that it, we need to get that information out there. So again, thank you for putting that together and for coming on today. Thank you. Thanks for having us and um, have a great weekend. You too. Take yes, care. Thank you so much. We, re we really appreciate it. Now that was recorded on video. So if you want to go ahead and watch the video, you can find the link in the show notes. It's on YouTube. And if you have any questions, you can contact national parents organization at sharedparenting.org. Don't forget to like National Parents Organization on social media. Just go ahead and do a Facebook search for National Parents Organization and smash the like button. You're also going to find several Facebook pages for different state chapters, so go ahead and like those pages as well. And don't forget you can also follow National Parents Organization on Twitter or LinkedIn. The links to those social media sites are on the sharedparenting.org website. If you're passionate about shared parenting, the best thing you can do is get involved. And the best way to do that is by contacting your state chapter. If you head over to the sharedparenting.org website, you can find the links to your state chapter and then contact them directly to take action and volunteer. We could also use your help with donations. National Parents Organization is a nationally recognized nonprofit registered in Massachusetts. To donate, visit sharedparenting.org and click the take action and then donate. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Tell us what you think on social media or by going to the sharedparenting.org website and sending us a message. Fill out that contact form and let us know what you think. We'd love to hear about what you think about the show or what you want to hear on the show, those sorts of things. So go ahead and, and send us a message. Until the next episode, I'm your host, Chris Batchelor. Thanks for listening, and together we can help bring shared parenting nationwide. Stop.